You know, it's kind of funny this morning. Um, when we sang Waymaker, I was just like, hold on, AT. That thing like has 200,000 views from disciples all over the world on Facebook. And that Waymaker's kind of the anthem of the older people in the crowd. God, you gotta get us through this thing. But the anthem of the younger people is what you just saw right here. Men who dream. But I know older people that are like, I was at the conference where Men Who Dream was first played. Was anybody there? <laughs> and I know you're not letting go of that uh, as your anthem as well. We are A.T. and Marcy Arneson. We are 30-year-old Christians in a 40-year-old church. I have to say thanks to our worship team, you guys. The amount of time that went into this. It's just off, off, off the charts. Incredible. I also want to say congratulations to the Harrises for finally being recognized as members of the show. Oh, no, Evangelist and Women's Ministry Leader. That's what it was. Okay. And of course, Antoine and Charlene Wills. So proud of them. So grateful for our partnership in the gospel. You know, um, we just want to say happy birthday, happy anniversary. Whatever you say, it's 40 years, guys. 40 years, and uh, Marcy and I in just a moment are going to share some interesting facts over these 40 years of the Chicago church. If you think you're getting out of here without a sermon, it's not going to happen. <laughs> sermons are unnecessary. I, I've sat through like hour and a half sermons in the past. I had the temptation to do that today. I'll overcome that temptation. We haven't even started the sermon timer yet, okay, just so you know. This is all the fluff that gets you ready to hear the sermon right now. I'm going to have Mars share a few things. Aww. Well, good morning or good afternoon. It is so great to be with my family here in the Chicago church. Um, it's so good to see your faces this morning. And I just also want to say happy 40th anniversary, Chicago Church of Christ. You know, when I think of the Chicago Church of Christ, I think, I think of family. And that is what you are to us. That's what you are to me. And I think of over these 40 years, I can only imagine all of the celebrations that we've had and all of the energy that we've put into being with one another through so many events. I think of all the birthdays we've shared. I mean, could you imagine all of the birthdays if we counted them up that we've shared among this group of people together? I think of all the dinners that we've had in one another's homes together, just sitting there and talking and sharing our lives with each other. I think of going on dates with one another and playing games with each other and just getting to know one another. I think of all the hours we've shared in God's word with each other, studying the Bible with our friends. I think of all the weddings that we've celebrated, all of the baptisms that we've celebrated together with one another in anniversaries. I think of the hours supporting each other as we've lost, lost you know, our loved ones, our friends, and our families. I think of all the love shown as our children, many of our children, even our own children, have gone through difficult times and how we've just wrapped our arms around each other and comforted each other during those difficult hours. You know, I think of the celebrating of our, of our children as they've turned their hearts to God and they've decided to make Jesus the Lord of their lives. How many times have we just witnessed that and enjoyed that with one another? I think of the hours and hours of prayers that we have all spent for one another on our knees asking God on behalf of each other to, to be with him, be with them. You know, these 40 years have been amazing. 
They've been powerful. They've had an incredible impact here in the city of Chicago and throughout the world. And because of you and your faith, you are continuing to have that impact in this world. You are the salt of the earth, Chicago Church. You are uh, the light in this dark world. And, you know, I know that this next 40 years, we're going to be an incredible light to this lost world. And I'm just so grateful to be part of your family. Happy anniversary. You know, there's a brother that's here uh, from San Diego this morning. He's in the crowd somewhere, but he is here for another conference happening at this hotel. And when he came down, he's like, well, I won't make it to church today, obviously. So we brought church to him, amen. So that brother's here. He's like, is that Kids Kingdom? That's got to be the same church. So he was texting people in San Diego. Hey, we're a part of something even bigger than the Chicago church here today, amen. God is good. Hey, here's some interesting facts, Marcin, I want to share with you as we kind of warm up, and then we'll dive into the Bible here in just a minute. Did you know that technically the Chicago church was planted from this little cornfield town called DeKalb, Illinois? We weren't planted by Boston. We were abnormally born. We were planted as disciples came from the cornfields of DeKalb and started the Chicago Church of Christ. You know, the church went through some name changes. Originally, I think it was the Oak Park Church of Christ. Then it was like, well, we're the Chicago Church of Christ in Oak Park. And then most of us heard on the videos last night, they had to lift a partition. That was a big deal back then. And when they lifted the partition, they just said, let's be the Chicago Church of Christ. So that's kind of how all that unfolded. Stats. Did you know that the average age of the member of the members of the of the church is 50 years old? The average age in Christ of the members is 20 years. Who knew? Guess how old the oldest member is in the Chicago Church of Christ? 94 years old. Our sister Evelyn Cooley in Midpoint. Guess how old the youngest member is in our church? 14, that's right. Joy Townsell in the Metro. <laughs> the most common age in the Chicago church is 52 years old. That makes me an old disciple, but if you're under 52 and you think you're young, we'll just let you think that because you're below the common age. You know, the, the, the longest standing Christian in the Chicago church was baptized on May 15, 1973. Carrie Griffith in the city ministry is that disciple. I don't know if Carrie's here today. Carrie, are you here somewhere? Maybe online? Okay. Well, here are the five longest standing Christians uh, here as members of the Chicago Church. So Carrie is the longest standing. Tom Wingfield is next. Tom's sitting right out here. I saw him. Cliff Cox was baptized 50 years ago right now, you guys. We just got a text. He's a 50-year-old Christian, so he's 53 years old uh, total right there. No, I'm just kidding. Juana Orzakowski is one of the longest-standing Christians. She used to cut hair, we heard, after the worship services. And Kathy Cox is also in the top five longest-standing Christians. Congratulations. Kurt Roscoff put this together. Today, the total days of Christian living by the current members of the Chicago church, they lived as, we've lived as Christians for a total of 13,384,503 days. That's a lot of Christianity represented here in this room today. 
if, if somehow we organized a prayer chain where each one of us prayed for one hour, that chain would last for two and a half months. It's pretty cool. We could try it. We should try that. Uh, the top five cities where our members live, can you, could you, can you pick the first one? Chicago. Chicago. Number two, Naperville. Number three, Aurora. Come on, Aurora. Number four is Lombard, Disciples in Lombard. And number five, I heard it, Oak Park. Yeah. Okay, the last thing that's kind of interesting, an average Christian in our church has heard about a thousand sermons. If you're 20 years old as a Christian and you hear 50 sermons a year, you skip two weeks. I don't know why we'd skip two weeks, but you might. Um, that means you've heard about a thousand sermons, average, but for Kerry Griffith, he's heard 2,500 sermons. And we want to make a public apology. No, I'm just kidding. We... 2,501 after today. Let's open our Bibles up to the book of Deuteronomy. Mark's is going to go take a seat. I think I'm live without the podium mic. Is that, is that right? Mo, can you hear me? I've known for a long time, in anticipation of today, that I was going to preach out of the book of Deuteronomy. A number of years ago, I spent about seven months going through every verse and every chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, and I'm going to wander around a little bit because I've got this free, free space on the mic. Um, and I thought to myself, whoa, this is the perfect book when we're considering ourselves in the storyline of a spiritual journey. And of course, the book starts in this amazing way because they've just come through a 40-year part of their journey, and they're sitting there on the brink of some of the greatest victories they, they, they'll ever experience ahead of them, not behind them, brothers and sisters. And so as I kind of introduce the book of Deuteronomy, I want to start with this thought. It's a Native, uh, Native American proverb, if we could put it up on the screen, and it's this. Oh, we're making our way. No wise person ever wanted to be younger. Okay? Hey, older people, when you see these kids jumping around up here, you shouldn't be going, gosh, I wish I was them again. Sometimes people come up to me and Mars and they're like, oh, we feel sorry for you as you guys get older because you don't have anybody in your home but you and her, and that must just really be horrible. And I'm like, you have no idea how amazing this is. <laughs> I watch American Idol and I watch 14-year-olds going, weeping and going, this is all I've ever wanted my entire life. And I'm like, you're 14, you know what I mean? And so today, we're not talking about going back to the glory days as we study the book of Deuteronomy. And all we're going to do is look at kind of the first chapter and a couple of little highlights in the first chapter. But I hope to pique your interest in the book of Deuteronomy as possibly a tailor-made uh, book of the Bible for us at this hour. Okay, that's something I want us to think about. Now, I, I brought this chair up here because I want to illustrate before we dive into Deuteronomy the significance of 40, okay? And I saw a comedian do this, so I thought I'd try it. If something bad happens, no one should be videoing me right now. I don't want to end up on a fail video, okay? <laughs> oh, we remember the 40th. That's where he broke his leg. <laughs> oh, something's happening here. This has nothing to do with my stature, okay? How do I say this? 
What's the significance of 40? Everybody under 40 doesn't recognize the danger I'm in right now. Everybody over 40 is going, man, our, our, that evangelist is one dumb human. The other thing is everybody under 40 knows how to get down very quickly from this position. You hop down like this. No. Everybody over 40 goes, you always have three points of contact. And that's why. But don't we need both in this congregation? Don't we need those long-standing Christians that represent the, the pulling of that average age of Christianity to 20 years? And don't we need those young people to come up here and remind us of zeal and energy to be risk-takers and that God might bless something if we give him something to bless? We need this wonderful combination of humanity coming together in all that's represented in this room and beyond to really see what God could do if people acted in faith toward him. God takes a pause in the book of Deuteronomy and he says, hey, you've been on a 40-year journey. You're about to experience the greatest things you've ever experienced in this partnership with God. I want to pause for a moment and give you a little spiritual checkup. And that is what the book of Deuteronomy is. You know, where Leviticus is the letter of the law, Deuteronomy is the heart of the law. And so the bulk of Deuteronomy, actually chapters, uh, I think it's chapter 5 through 26, is just a reiteration of the Levitical law, but from a heart standpoint. And so you have a lot of appeals in those chapters of, you've got to tell your children about this. You got to sit in your home and when you're eating a meal, remember this meal itself is the fulfillment of a promise from God. You got to write this on the door frames of your home. You got to put it on the gate. You got to tie it in your clothing. When your kids ask you about the journey you've been on, you tell them this is a journey that has is, is been brought to us by a glorious God. And then he, then he re reiterates the Ten Commandments in those middle chapters of Deuteronomy. Over and over you get this sense of this is what God was saying. Obey him. Never forget these commands. As a matter of fact, the book of Deuteronomy is three separate speeches that Moses gives as his life comes to an end. And in the first speech, the context of that speech is this. This is where we've come from. That's chapters 1 through 4. Chapters 5 through 26 are, this is where we are now. And it's everything I just described to you. And then chapters 27 through 34, the end of the book are, and this is where we're going. So be strong. Take heart. Be courageous. And hold on to this vision from God. Deuteronomy chapter 1, you guys there? There's an interesting thing. So the goal today is that we leave here right on the brink of we can't take anymore. Okay? But we love the Word of God, don't we? And I love this particular book of the Bible for us at this hour. Check this out. Um, it says in verse 3, and in my studies I never caught this until just now, but it says in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him 
concerning them, okay? When I've read that in the past, I've never caught a little insight that I want to give you next. But I turn to the next slide, Tim. It says this, all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. So God is going to speak to Moses, and he says, Moses, I want you to turn and tell the Israelites everything I'm telling you. But he doesn't say, tell them. He says, I'm commanding you to tell them my observations about them. You guys with me there? Okay, check this out. So I have to command you, Moses, that you relay the message exactly as I say it to God's people. Now, why would you have to command somebody to say something to a group of people? Because it might not be what they want to hear. Oh. <laughs> if someone commands me to tell you something, which hasn't happened that I know of, but if someone has to command me to do it, that means I might be unwilling to speak the full truth. I might want to be sentimental. I might want to soften the blow. And so what's happening is God is saying, guys, you're going to go forward into the greatest days of your lives, but you got to look back and go, what are the lessons I need to learn? You guys with me there? You know, this concept is all over the Bible. God, search me, David said in Psalm 139, right? Search me, God. If there's any offensive way in me, we want to know it. That should be the sentiment of the Chicago church going forward for the next 40 years. If there's some area we need to grow in, let's go after it. And let's grow and let's be a holier people for God. Let's be a righteous people for God. Let's commit our way to the Lord in greater and greater measure. That should be the goal going forward in the next 40 years. But we need a pause moment to go, are we ready for that? You know, I like to say to the staff and to other disciples, we don't always make a great first impression, but we make a really good second impression. You guys, you, anybody know people like that? But we don't always get it right the first time, but we often get it right the second time. You know why? Because we're learners. We're committed to growing. We love God's word and it transforms us as we bathe ourselves in God's word day in and day out. And so the big question coming out of Deuteronomy, I believe for us, is how does God see all of us this morning on this spiritual journey? And I know God is pleased with us. But I think he would also make observations say, but we can grow. We can, we can grow in many, many areas. If you get down to verse 6. How's everybody? Do we have anybody using a yellow pad today? Oh, shoot. Oh, we got, we got, we got somebody actually writing notes, not on technology. Oh, come on. That's old. Oh, no. Now they're all coming out. Look for people with no hair, male, and you'll see the notepads coming out. Come on. Notepads. I love it. So God begins to speak. Check this out, Deuteronomy 1, 6. i got to keep an eye on my time. But God begins to speak. The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, and he goes on and down in verse 8, he says, See, I have given you this land that the Lord, uh, uh, I have given you this uh, land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your father, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. So as God begins to make his observations, as he begins to look back at their journey, the first thing he wants to recognize is this. 
everything started with a promise from God going all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the whole lot of generational people behind them. God wants us to know that his promises are the pillar and the guiding pillars of the journey for God's people always. So he begins with this reminder here in Deuteronomy, right at the very beginning. I have given you, you're looking across the Jordan, you're seeing something, you're seeing your future, and I'm telling you, it is yours to grab, but you must grab it with me, knowing that the context by which you achieve it is I've promised it to you. You know, the older we get as, as Christians, sometimes we can start to feel like we need to do it ourselves. And when, especially when the church goes through up and down times, when we're going through up times, we're like, God's amazing, God's amazing. We go through down times, that's when we start to grind as Christians, right? But you know, the context of anything good happening for all of Christianity and Christians here in the Chicago church is that God promised it would happen and that therefore it will happen and we must believe it. And I love, I love this idea. I was thinking about 10 different ways I can tell you this. Why does God begin Deuteronomy with a reminder that he promised to deliver them into this future, into this promised land? Because he's going to spend the bulk of the book of Deuteronomy telling them the commands that they should never forget. And the commands are the pathway to the fulfillment of the promises that God makes. Okay, you guys following me there? That's a lot of words. The commands are the pathway to the fulfillment of God's promises. But if you don't put the commands of God in the context of a promise, they're just rules that burden you eventually. You know, sometimes we get triggered in our many years by words like discipling. But we get triggered because we may have taken the promise of God out of the concept of refining each other into spiritual wellness. And it gets mechanized, it gets institutionalized. And God's like, no, 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 all of this has to be set in the context of a promise of you being perfect in Christ. And therefore, we engage with one another. Anything not attached to a promise just becomes a tradition or a rule, and eventually humans just hate rules. I remember when they made the seatbelt law, I'm like, seatbelt law? Yeah, we care about you, so wear your seatbelt. I'm like, do I have to wear a seatbelt on a motorcycle too? No. Anyway, that's, I, I digress, okay? But, but my instinctual response is, don't tell me what to do. And I know Ed Dawson's laughing because he's like, yeah, that's how you are. <laughs> hey, who's flipping through my slides back there, Tim? Just messing. You know, um, did you know that every command in the Word of God is attached to a promise? Every single one. Because there's no pointless command. Every single command is attached to a promise. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That's a command. And I will give you rest for your souls. That's a promise. Oh, I think we're starting to wake up a little bit here. Do not grow weary and lose heart. That's a command. For at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. That's a promise. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's a command. And I will be with you always to the very end of the age. 
That's a promise. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. That's a command, brothers and sisters. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. You guys with me there? That's pretty cool, isn't it? I think some of us just had a spiritual revelation. Wait, we do this for a reason? How about do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing? That's a command. You know, we wouldn't choose the, the commands, so God has to constantly remind us they're all attached to a promise. And so many of the promises of God are, are a path we wouldn't naturally choose in our humanity, guys. You know, we reach the promise of love through the command to forgive. We reach the promise of contentment and joy through the command to persevere. We come to the freedom of our soul and the refreshing state of life as a Christian through the command to repent and find times of refreshing. But the minute you take out the promise, repentance just becomes something difficult and grinding. Oh, I have to go confess my sins. No, you get to go confess your sins. Because then you walk with the burden off your back. You're free in Christ. I like getting a clap on that one, right? We want that freedom. We reach heartfelt and beautiful relationships through the command to be together. We understand fulfillment through the command to sacrifice. We learn the purposefulness of life by the call to lay our lives down for each other's and other and others and share the gospel with those folks. You know, um, but sometimes we forget because we get burdened. Now, I don't know how many of you uh, saw this happen, but we had a conference in Orlando back in August. Everybody aware of that? Um, I was super busy at that conference. I had classes I was teaching, and I was uh, doing this thing and doing that thing, attending this meeting and that meeting, and I was going to be done with that conference on the Wednesday before it ended five days later, and I was like, we're going to fly home, and it was going to be a great conference. But I knew there was a group of people meeting considering who should do some of the big speeches on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, and then the closing message on Sunday. And I was like, stay under the radar. <laughs> I was even like, Chicago church is really struggling right now. Don't pick anybody from Chicago. We need to be back on Wednesday. It's going to be an emergency. Everybody's falling away. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, I prayed to God. And then I got a call from the conference director, Marshall Mead. He's like, hey, T, I have a quick uh, ask. Uh, I want to call you here. Can you call me back? And I'm like, he's going to ask me to do a speech. He's going to ask me to do a speech. He's going to ask me to do a speech. And, uh, and I was like, God, I'm going to say yes no matter what it is. Just please, God, do not let it be the Sunday sermon. Because <laughs> then I'll have to be there from Wednesday till Sunday with nothing to do but wait to speak in front of about 10,000 people. And when he called, he said, AT, our group met, and we'd like it. I go, yes. He's like, well, I haven't said what it is yet. I said, well, I'm going to say yes, whatever it is. And he goes, can you do the Sunday sermon? I was like, yes. <laughs> and I had to pray. I, guys, this is what I do for a living. Why would I? You know, one of the brothers was like, you should have reverse psychologized God on this one. You should have been like, yeah, they need to pick me. I'm the guy for this job. I'm like, God invented psychology. I can't reverse psychology, God. 
That was Clint Lahr, by the way. You know, so he begins with this sense of promise, but you know, I had to remember this promise. A.T., don't grow weary in doing what is right. You, at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. You know, give yourself fully to the Lord and watch God bless it. And that's what I had to conclude after that moment. And it is an honor, but it's also a lot of work. And sometimes the work becomes burdensome when you don't keep it connected to the promise of what God might do. And if there's nothing else you get out of this sermon today, my, my challenge to the Chicago church is go back and read your Bibles with this in mind. Because our motivation can't be that we really, 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 really like each other. And as we get older, our motivation can't be, you got to come to my church, man. It's just filled with you and old people. And no, the church is amazing, but the church isn't enough to keep people faithful to Christ if they're not connected to Christ. You guys with me there? I got an amen from Aura on that one. Thank you, Aura. You know, as, as he goes on, I'm just going to hit a couple more things and then we'll kind of begin to wrap this up. The closing video today will be some of our young people expressing their dreams and their joys about how we could go forward into the next 40-year era of the Chicago church. And we'll do that in just a moment. But, you know, you get down to verse 9 here, and it says, um, he says this in, uh, in verse, actually, let's look at verse 11. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, uh, no, no, back it up to verse 10. The Lord your God has increased your number so that today you are as many as the stars in the sky. You know, he just mentioned my promises were to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Well, guess what he promised to Abraham? Your descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky. And then he comes back right here and he says, look around you. You are as many as the stars in the sky. My promises are true if you just look around a little bit. If you're ever struggling to understand faithfulness to God, just take a moment and sit down and write down the things you're grateful for. If we're going to make it all the way to the last breath, brothers and sisters, I mean, how old are some of us going to be at the next 40 year? Speaking of that, today's Darren Gauthier's birthday. And I see him sitting over here. And it's not respectful to tell someone's age in front of a group this size. Well, let's just say he's somewhere between 61 and 63 years old, okay? But if you want to, stand up and look around this room for a minute. Are we not the fulfillment of the promises of God? I literally, when our church goes through ups and downs, I just look at our church and go, oh my gosh, this is God. We would never choose to be this group in our humanity. We wouldn't choose to care about each other the way we do. We wouldn't choose to cheer for people on the stage like we did with the Wills and the Harrises today. This is of God, guys. And that's what God's saying. He says, look around at your fellowship. That itself is testimony to the promises of God being true. And when we get to the points about the commands, never, ever, ever forget it. Because they're leading to more promises and more promises and more promises. And all those promises are yes in Christ. And that's something that gets me excited about going forward, guys. What might God do in the next 40 years or so? 
You know, there's a little story here that comes up where they started to struggle and they wanted an easier path. Let me tell you, there's an easier path for the Chicago church. And that path involves us separating ourselves in multiplicities of ways. This is a hard path right here. Let me tell you, getting a humanity that's represented here together and unified and loving each other is a harder path than separating and doing it that way. What we are trying to build here in the city of Chicago will is and will continue to be the light of the world if we stay true to it. Let me tell you the easier path. Let's separate racially. It's easier that way. Of course, I'm not speaking from the heart. I'm telling, I'm speaking in a worldly way right now. Then let's separate ourselves further politically. Won't that be nice? Because then you can be in a room where everybody agrees with you. You know what? Let's just go ahead and separate ourselves generationally because those young people are kind of annoying. <laughs> Jumping around and all that. They're disrupting our worship service. What do they know anyway? Get off my lawn. So we separate racially, we separate politically, we separate generationally, and then you're in a church where everybody looks like you, thinks like you, and is your age. That's easier. How about we further separate educationally, socioeconomically? Let's get it down to just you and your wife in your living room, <laughs> worshiping Jesus together. But then you have a bump with each other one Sunday morning. <laughs> while you're on your way to the living room. And you decide to break this thing down one more time by gender, you know what I mean? And then it's just you in your church going, this is so much easier. And so less God. So less God. Um, when you get to Deuteronomy 119, I'm not gonna, we're not going to read it. We know this story from Numbers 13. They sent spies into the promised land. People came back. Ten came back and said, we can't do it. Two came back and said, we can. You know, um, and they, they listened to the wrong voice because they were afraid. Let me tell you, the future is going to take greater courage than the past did because of the way the world's changing. But we can't be listening to the voices that stoke fear in us. We've got to be listening to the voices that build faith in us. I've got to show you this. Back up a picture there. We couldn't get the remote. Another one there. One more. There we go. This was a dream moment for me. This was last Thursday, a couple days ago. I got a call from uh, the, the man who was the best man at my wedding. He's a coach at a university for a wrestling team. Does anybody know I like wrestling? I love it. Okay, yeah. Um, afterward, we'll be gathering for those who like wrestling, and I'll tell you a story for about three hours, okay? <laughs> but I got to go speak to this team on Thursday night because they had a big tournament here in Chicago on, uh, on set Friday and Saturday. This is a dream of mine. They're not a part of our church. And, and I, I said, can I use scripture? 
And they said, yeah, use, the coach was like, yeah, use scripture, whatever you like, but inspire them. They need to believe in themselves. And I was sitting there and I was watching all of these people I've never met before. And, uh, and I just started preaching like I'm kind of preaching to you. Coming out, Jesus was like this about God. And I'm talking and I'm like, I wonder how this is landing. Went to the tournament the next day and all these guys started coming up to me. They're like, man, your speech really helped me. Oh, man. I said, no, you're no. Cross the line when you're on the mat and there's 10 seconds left. Go for it again. I'm doing, all, I'm doing everything I've ever wanted to do with wrestling right there. I'm living the dream, guys. But it's all coming from that Christianity within me. Let's go for it. Let's step over the line. Let's not be afraid. Let's be faithful. And I'm trying to couch that in a way that wrestlers can hear it. And I think some of them heard. And I was so proud to be in that moment. Um, let me begin to wrap this up. And uh, if you could fast forward a couple, a couple of slides. Right, next one. This is something I preached in the North recently. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. My question is, what are we being tuned to right now, folks? What's tuning us spiritually? The greatest downfall that led to a 40-year wandering in the desert was that they began to tune themselves to voices that stoked fear within them and not faith within them. And the reason they were so vulnerable to that is because they had lost sight of the promises of God, that God's promises were more prominent than the words uh, that were stoking the fear within them. It is gonna take so much courage for us going forward. And so I wanna close out here in Deuteronomy chapter 31. If you guys could flip over there. And I wish I could just speak to you all day. I just wanna tell you how much I love being a disciple in the Chicago church. This is the 17th year Marcy and I have been in this ministry role in the Chicago church. I did not walk in today thinking I was going to work. I walked in today thinking, I'm going to a party with my spiritual family. So the Israelites come to this final speech, and Moses is a little grumpy, honestly, in his older years. Because he's going to die before he goes into the promised land. And like four different times through the book of Deuteronomy, he's like, hey, God, but can you just let me go anyway? And God's like, nope, not going to happen. Nope, not going to happen. There's going to be some things we don't happen, but God's still in control, guys. So God says, hey, I'm going to give you a glimpse of it. Go to the top of the mountain, look over, and look into that promised land. And then all this next generation of people are going to go in there. They're going to partner with me, and we're going to watch something amazing happen. But as the book of Deuteronomy begins to end in chapter 31 through 34, this is what Moses writes, beginning in verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And I think the understanding is, so don't leave him either. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all Israel... 
Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into this land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Deuteronomy begins with a promise as they look back. It proceeds with an understanding of the paths of those promises through the commands. And it closes as they look forward to a vision back on the promises. Hold on to God with everything you have. And that is the message of the book of Deuteronomy. And I think I would just encourage you, go back and read the book of Deuteronomy. It's an honor to be a disciple of Jesus. I would like to tell you that everything is going to be blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven. But that's a lie, so we've banned that song in the Chicago church. <laughs> Stricken it from the songbooks. Torn the pages out in all my songbooks at home. Because that's not all that I see when the Lord's living in me. Otherwise, why would God say be strong and courageous? But let's go forward together. Those who say it's not risky to step on a chair and those who say it is. Not dividing along all the ways that humanity divides, but taking heart and knowing that when we come together with one heart, we honor God in powerful ways. Let's listen to the voices of some of our young people, their hopes, their dreams, and let's be inspired.